40 Day Connects, Ireland's podcast for informed corporate counsel. Welcome to RDJ Connects, a podcast for corporate counsel covering the latest in legal developments, issues and trends. I'm Ashling Walsh, corporate partner at RDJ and your host today. I'm joined on the podcast by my colleague, Brian Hunt, head of RDJ's regulatory practice. Brian regularly advises public and private sector clients on the exercise of statutory powers and functions. He's drafted many pieces of legislation for a range of clients, including members of the Doyle, and the Shannad, as well as a number of regulatory authorities. Brian joined RDJ last year from Zurich Insurance PLC, where he was head of their regulatory affairs department since 2009. I've invited Brian today to talk about legislation with a particular focus on statutory interpretation and some of the practical tools that can help corporate counsel get to grips with interpreting legislation and understanding the effects of legislation. Good morning, Brian. In terms of us understanding legislation, what are the key challenges for a practitioner, for a legal practitioner in trying to understand legislation? Ashling, one of the key challenges for practitioners and indeed anyone who's trying to get to grips with legislation is the sheer volume of legislation that has been enacted. Currently, we have on our statute book, we're governed by over 2000 acts and over 15,000 statutory instruments. That's a very significant body of law. But the, the concerning thing, of course, is that this body of law is growing all the time. It's growing at the rate of approximately 40 to 50 acts, new acts each year and approximately six to 700 statutory instruments. So volume is one challenge. Another challenge for practitioners is the approach that's taken to the amendment of legislation. As you know, typically when the Oireachtas makes new law, it piles new law on top of previously existing legislation. And this makes it quite difficult for practitioners to understand what the law actually says on a given topic. And that's before you even get to grips with ensuring that your organisation is fully compliant with the existing legislative requirements. So this requires practitioners to go through a process of what I call piecing together the various pieces of legislation. So you need to decipher, okay, here I have the principal act, but you need to decipher then what amendments have been made to that legislation, what the effect of those amendments are, and you need to confirm that the amendments have actually come into force. Thankfully, in a number of areas of legislation, we have uh, the Law Reform Commission initiative, which is focused on producing revised acts. A revised act is effectively an administrative consolidation of legislation. It's an enforced version of the law. It incorporates all amendments. So it's a self-contained document, which is extremely helpful to practitioners and to indeed to anyone who's consulting with legislation. Revised acts, are they acts that one can rely on in, in court if you were um, relying on a piece of legislation to defend a matter in court? Unfortunately, at present, no. There is a, an old requirement going back to 1925 in the Documentary Evidence Act, and it provides that only acts produced by the Government Publication Sales Office can actually be presented in court. So whilst revised acts are a hugely valuable resource for practitioners, unfortunately, they the courts are not obliged to accept them for evidential purposes. And as lawyers, we're also looking to the acts to, to um, I, I suppose, interpret primary law on a given um, topic. Can you explain the importance of statutory instruments as an additional source of law? Yes, yeah, statutory instruments are an increase important source of, of law and um, they effectively supplement the acts as I indicated earlier uh, in the region of six to seven hundred statutory instruments are made each year and and 
statutory instruments are an important resource and uh, not just for the practitioner, but also from a practical point of view for the minister and the Oireachtas who are passing legislation. Most pieces of primary legislation contain a power which enables the minister or other public body to make uh, secondary legislation which supplements the Act. Secondary legislation is also a valuable means of transposing European law. So we frequently see uh, legislation which is made under the 1972 Act and it gives effect to European directives principally. And the key thing to note about those types of statutory instruments is that they can, in fact, uh, depart from the general rule and they can amend primary legislation. So they are a key uh, type of secondary legislation to be mindful of. And we have a number of statutory instruments that are published every day, practically. Why are they so attractive now compared to um, publishing acts? Well, secondary legislation is a means of legislating which is not subject to any parliamentary process. Uh, statutory instruments are not subjected to scrutiny. They are not uh, published in draft form, typically. Um, increasingly, we're seeing that acts are being published in draft form. They're being put out to consultation. This does not generally take place in relation to secondary legislation. Another aspect of secondary legislation which makes it attractive to ministers and also their officials is the fact that you can relegate matters of detail, you can remove matters of detail from the body of an act and you can provide that the, those matters of detail will be addressed in the subsequent secondary legislation. So it means that matters of detail and also on occasion matters of controversy can be relegated to statutory instruments and be addressed later. So those kind of issues don't have to be debated across the floor of the Houses, the Dáil and the Shannad, and can be addressed uh, at a subsequent time by the Minister effectively acting alone, because as we know, most statutory instruments are made by the signature of the Minister or the other authorised maker. There is no parliamentary process and no process of scrutiny. Okay, that's disappointing that there's no, um, I suppose, parliamentary debate on them. But I, I, um, in, in terms of um, statutory instruments, can they repeal um, primary legislation or amend primary legislation? The general rule is that secondary legislation cannot amend primary legislation. Regulations made under Section 3 of the European Communities Act 1972, uh, that's the body of law which allows for the making of statutory instruments which amend acts. So those type of regulations can in fact affect amendments to primary legislation. And of the 600 or so statutory instruments that are made each year, approximately one third of those are regulations which are made under the 1972 Act. And from a practical perspective, um, as, as a corporate counsel or a legal practitioner, what are the key tools with a, which a legal practitioner can use to understand legislation? Well, the Law Reform Commission initiative, which I mentioned earlier, the Revised Acts Project, under this project, the Law Reform Commission has produced revised acts, versions of acts which have been made post-2005. So if you were looking at a piece of legislation that has been made after 2005, there is a very likely chance that a revised act will exist in respect of that act. The Commission has also produced 150 uh, revised acts for the most commonly consulted pieces of legislation which predate 2005. 
So the revised acts are, are a really valuable resource for any practitioner. And if you were looking to find out if there was a revised act in relation to a piece of legislation, how could you do that easily? Well, there are two places where you can check for the existence of revised acts. First is the Irish Statute Book website. So when you click into look at any act, you will see typically four tabs and maybe five tabs at the top of the page. The fifth tab on the right is the Revised Act tab. And if that's there, you can click into that and it will take you to the revised version of the particular piece of legislation that you are looking at. You can also access Revised Acts directly on the Law Reform Commission website. That's very useful. That's very useful in terms of us interpreting legislation and doing research. Any other aids to understanding legislation? Well, other aids to understanding legislation um, would include the marginal notes and headings which feature within legislation. Uh, a user can also look at the explanatory memorandum which accompanied the legislation when it was first initiated in the Dáil or the Shannad. Um, other aids include parliamentary debates. Though they are not generally accepted by the courts, you can look at parliamentary debates in order to help you understand the purpose and intent behind a particular piece of legislation. Uh, you can also look at any documentation or reports which have flowed from a process of pre-legislative scrutiny. And you can also examine um, the Interpretation Act, which is a very valuable uh, resource uh, in terms of helping the users understand legislation. Oh, the Interpretation Act. I've heard you say that that's one of your best friends when it comes to interpreting legislation. Um, so why do you find it so useful? Well, the Interpretation Act is always very close at hand when a legislative drafter is preparing legislation. And likewise, I would suggest that anybody who's trying to understand legislation should have the Interpretation Act close at hand. And uh, why is it so important? It's because it sets down rules and common definitions which apply across the interpretation of any piece of legislation. And there's a number of aspects of the Interpretation Act which uh, I in practice have found to be extremely valuable. So for example, sections five and six allow for the use of marginal notes and headings. So it was previously not the case that marginal notes could be used in interpreting legislation. Now they are acceptable in cases where there's ambiguity or obscurity. The Interpretation Act also sets out, in a number of instances, it contains definitions which apply to the interpretation of any piece of legislation. Uh, and it contains other helpful provisions such as uh, section 26 and 27, which helps guide you through situations where one legislative regime has been repealed and been replaced by another. So it will guide you through the mechanics of how that will actually operate in practice. And in the schedule to the Interpretation Act, you'll find approximately 40 definitions that will apply again across the interpretation of all pieces of legislation. And you mentioned to me earlier that those definitions are common to the Interpretation Act 2005 and they then won't be found in other pieces of legislation so that you need to effectively interpret them from the meaning given to them in the Interpretation Act. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's an essential uh, companion to any piece of legislation. So in, in, in a given piece of legislation that you examine, there will be some uh, terms defined within that legislation. But in order to get the, the comprehensive view, you also need to look at standard common form definitions, which are contained within the Interpretation Act itself. The Interpretation Act was enacted in 2005. Can you rely on the Interpretation Act in, in, in terms of interpreting pieces of legislation um, prior to 2005? Yeah, the 2005 Act 
flows from the Interpretation Act 1937. So in, in very many respects, the 2005 Act mirrors the provisions contained in the 1937 Act. But there are some new and useful additions which, which are worth noting. But yes, you can apply the 2005 Act when interpreting legislation which was enacted prior to 2005. I know some useful provisions of the Interpretation Act that I've relied on previously were um, uh, Section 5 and, and Section 6. Can you, can you um, I suppose, analyse the importance of those sections? Yeah, basically what Section 5 provides is that where a provision is ambiguous, obscure or absurd, it may be interpreted by reference to the plain intention of the Oireachtas. So what you have here is the, the Oireachtas invoking the purpose of rule. So that's a departure from the normal rule which applies, which is the default position is to apply the literal rule. So that's where you give legislation its ordinary meaning. But I would stress that Section 5 only applies in very specific circumstances where the legislation is, as I said, ambiguous, obscure or absurd. And Section 6 is also worth mentioning because Section 6 allows for us to give legislation an updated construction. Um, so when you are reading legislation, you may update your interpretation of that legislation so as to reflect changes in law, changes in social conditions and also changes in technology. So that is quite a, a useful tool within the Interpretation Act. Very much so. And so by that, I, I suppose if we had an act um, that that um, was enacted in 1980, for instance, and hasn't been amended and that there's been you know, effectively a change in technology, um, law or or social conditions that we, we can look to those um, social conditions and, and, and new social conditions and new technology and, and read it as against the, the relevant provision of the Act. Yes, absolutely. So, for example, if there's a piece of legislation which requires you to provide written notification to, for example, a regulatory authority and email wouldn't have existed in 1980 or 1990 when that legislation was framed, you will be empowered to give that legislation an updated construction so you may be able to decide that you will submit your notification to the regulatory authority by email rather than by in traditional written form. Okay, that's very useful. And and, and the other um, function sometimes of the Interpretation Act is when a piece of law has been repealed, potentially that you can rely on the Interpretation Act to effectively invoke that piece of law again. Am I correct in that? Well, sections 26 and 27 of the Interpretation Act provide useful guidance on how you are to apply the law in circumstances of a repeal or a substitution. So, for example, where you're moving from a situation where you are moving from a situation of one legislative regime to another, those sections of the Interpretation Act can give you some guidance as to how the mechanics of that will operate in practice. And just finally, um, you know, for our listeners, I, I wonder, could you just give us a final summary of the tools that you use or the key tools that you use to um, interpret legislation so that um, we can leave with that short summary? Yeah, the, the key tools to understanding legislation are, first of all, to check whether there is a revised act. If there is no revised act, then you need to piece together the various amendments to that legislation. In terms of aids to understanding, uh, the marginal notes and headings within legislation may now be used to, to understand the effect of provisions. The explanatory memorandum can also serve as a useful aid to understanding parliamentary debates. If you want to dig a little bit more deep into the the intent of the Oireachtas when it was making legislation, the parliamentary debates can be quite useful. 
though I would add that courts typically do not like uh, parliamentary debates to be used as a resource for understanding the purpose behind legislation. You can also look to the draft heads or general scheme of a bill. So increasingly, government departments and ministers are publishing legislation in draft form. And you'll be able to look back uh, to the draft heads or general scheme of a bill to see what the shape of the bill was at that time and to maybe get a, a better sense of what the, the intent was behind the legislation. That's very helpful, um, Brian. Um, I've really enjoyed our chat. It was very informative. Um, and thank you for your time today. Thank you, Ashley. been listening to RTJ Connects, Ireland's podcast for informed corporate counsel. The information provided in this episode was correct at the time of recording. However, we recommend consulting your regular RTJ advisor to ensure no changes have occurred since then. Alternatively, you can contact us via our website, rtj.ie. We're here to help.